Wardcast episode 258. Go! I'm Dylan Vento, and I'm joined once again by Mr. Alex Damrath. That's me. That's you. I'm back. You are. You were gone for a while. Yeah, I was. I was in the the great state of Texas. Texas. In your absence, you were missed. But now that you have oh. returned, let us begin living again. <laughs> Finally, life can resume now <laughs> that I'm here. Um, yeah, I'm back. I'm back in town. I have new neighbors that are moving in as we speak. So who knows how much of that noise will get picked up. What's really nice is when you live in an apartment with 15-foot high ceilings... You can hear literally everything the next door neighbor says if they are standing in a apartment that's completely empty. If, it's just like being in a cathedral, just <laughs> sound bouncing off of every surface. It might be the primary reason I want a house next. <laughs> so you don't hear neighbors? So you don't yeah. have neighbors? So I, so I don't have to deal with neighbors hearing me and me hearing neighbors. Yeah. It's less the neighbors and more so the neighbors' dogs. Uh yeah, when the neighbors' dogs go off. It's just it's it's like that's when you stop living. Is those I, those five minutes? I, I heard that once or twice coming over to feed a certain cat. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We had um, in our old apartment a DJ on one side. Uh, <laughs> I remember the DJ. The one yeah. time I was over, You're right? Uh, and the other, um, just a guy who liked his movies and his football real loud. That's all. You know, you I just mean, heard. I, we could like make out dialogue and, and like once or twice even like Mickey and I recognize it's like, oh, he's like, he's watching two broke girls over there. <laughs> huh. Like, <laughs> yeah, everyone, you know, everyone's got a distinct taste. Yeah. I remember right. walking down my hallway once and I could plainly make out the, the Blade Runner swelling. Like it was literally the scene where, um, uh what's his face the 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 main replicant does his speech is like like tears in the rain Mm -hmm. and it does that swell afterwards you know fucking i saw laser beams glinting off of stanheiser gate or whatever the fuck uh starships burning across orion yeah yeah um and i was like oh uh okay all right blade runner night i can i can respect it and then i think the next night it was like a john williams square i think they were literally watching star wars or something like you're just (laughs) just hear the swell um but mostly mostly all right but yeah i I used to be bookended by dogs on either side of me and they were both dogs that just didn't know how to shut the fuck up (laughs) uh so hopefully these new (sighs) tenants either don't have a dog or have a dog that knows to shut the fuck up quiet dog yeah kind dog Mm -hmm. synonymous in my book (laughs) a quiet dog is a kind dog yes um how 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 are things going in your neck of the woods, Alex? In this, uh, in this are, Memorial Day weekend, things are going all right. Um, it's been a quiet weekend, a relaxing weekend for once. I feel like I've had a lot of things to do these past couple weekends, and now I can finally sit back and and just do nothing. Uh, it, it, is that the case? Because I thought you you messaged me to reschedule. <laughs> what they were recorded because you said you were so busy uh, is that a lie did we just did we just discover the truth it's more like okay so my brother's over um oh, okay. yeah so so that that's sort of what makes it a little busier is just because uh entertain family right yeah um but with that in mind 
we 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 tend to just sit down and, and watch a lot of movies and play a lot of games when he's okay. over. Um, but yeah, like right. when 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 he's over, it is kind of like a yeah. I should probably make a little more time. Uh, Be a good host, right? Um, but he sleeps in, so I was like, oh, well, we'll do this one earlier on Sunday, maybe, and mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe if Discord allows, right? Uh, <laughs> after some troubleshooting and switching VoIP services. And I missed this. I did want to do a podcast. So. Well, here it is. Right. The best podcast ever. The best podcast in the known universe because the previous best podcast in the known universe has closed up shop. So it's time for us to take their place. That's right. Giant Beast Cast, no longer a thing because uh, Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker, and Vinny Caravella have all left giantbomb.com. Yeah. And this is following. Lots of other people leaving, right? They weren't the first. Right. Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of sporadic. I mean, like, we had Abby Russell on the show last year, and then maybe, like, less than a month later, she left. Uh, ben Pack left uh, kind of after they did their Game of the Year stuff in mm. January of this year. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, it definitely makes for a big departure because all of these people in, 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 in this wave of departures, you know, Brad and Vinny... I don't know if they're technically like founding editors or whatever. I mean, like I think Vinny's technically a producer was his job title, but um, like they were there since basically the beginning. I think it was like six months of like Jeff Gerstmann and Ryan Davis by themselves, maybe even less. And then they brought Brent and Vinny on. And then mm-hmm. Alex has always kind of been there like in the wings because um, he used to work with them. You know, he was part of the original GameSpot crew, uh, but he was like, I think he worked for them for a little bit, maybe did some freelance work. And then he went to Harmonix and moved to Boston. And then right. when he left Harmonix, he came back to Whiskey Media, the previous, the, the original owners of Giant Bomb, um, and did their like anime website, I think. Was it their anime site? Or was it their? Yes. Um, and then eventually found his way to Giant Bomb. Um, so it's a pretty big departure. And it's like a lot of their like, content creators i mean like now in terms of like who's left remaining it's jeff gersman um who's the only like original staff member mm-hmm. um and then you have jan ochoa uh jason a striker um uh matt rory and i think that's it and then they've been having uh danny o'dwyer like do some content stuff with them like right. he's been on the the giant bomb cast for I the past some, couple months some twitter clips of him in video chats with them a lot yeah yeah uh, and he's and he's been like he, like he used to be at GameSpot, so like right he's he's known those those folks for a long long time um but yeah it's just kind of like very much a end of the era end of an era kind of thing mm-hmm. for me because you know i i as well as a lot of people you know grew up listening to those guys like i mean a lot of people you know listen to on the spot um, or the hot spot back in the day, like when they were still at um, GameSpot in the like mid two thousands. I I only really listened, only started following them when they when they made Giant Bomb and about two years after they started making it. So like twenty ten, twenty eleven. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely there were definitely a lot of people out there saying like you know I wouldn't be in this industry if not for Giant Bomb, if not for listening to the Giant Bomb cast or you know talking to these folks and them being so nice and being like you know uh 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 being champions for me correct me if i'm wrong but you're you're among that i would consider myself among that like i would they definitely changed how i discuss games 
thought about games um just just in a way where it was still pretty nascent for me to understand and understanding the industry like i can i attribute a lot of you know me breaking away from being a gamer to like being someone that's like hey i have like kind of industry level interest in yeah in what happens here i attributed that a lot to giant bomb and also like joystick like i listened to a lot of joystick podcasts with like justin mcelroy and chris grant and ludwig heatsman mm-hmm. um and you know no offense to those guys but i mean like no one really holds a candle no one holds a flame to you know what giant bomb does especially in like really making you know making it understanding the industry uh and making it uh consumable and and you know easily digestible like i think giant bomb has done that like amazingly like a whole world a whole generation of like content creators and stuff i don't think would exist or at least not exist in the same way uh if giant bomb wasn't around and i and i really attribute that to you know the original four which would have been jeff Vinny, brad and ryan and you know ryan tragically passed away in, in 2013 um and that was kind of like a big blow to like a lot of us like i remember like reading that headline like when it was announced that he passed and like being like wow like this is someone like i have like i follow a lot and like feel a connection with simply because i consume so much of their content and now he's just gone yeah um and it, it was it's it's the giant bomb cast and i mean there's so much more to giant bomb than just their podcast but the giant bomb cast was just this amazing just perfect distillation of just like hilarious people that just like made it seem so effortless combined with like really on point industry analysis and games criticism and just a lot of stuff there that just kind of came in like a perfect way and like you listen to like so they brought back the hotspot um and made it like a premium giant bomb subscription podcast and you go and listen to those um because they only stopped doing them like a week or two ago or however long it's been since Vinny, Vinny brad and alex left mm-hmm. um, but you listen to those and those very much sound like original bombcast episodes mm. because it's just like jeff Vinny, brad and alex just shooting the shit and like talking about whatever they want to talk about and it just kind of it, it is so you just see so easily how they fall back into like that mode and just kind of like have a chat and make it funny and yeah. also you're learning something at the same time and that's why i really like about it and i mean it's definitely like i would not be babbling into a microphone right now if not for listening to their stuff the Wardcast is is a a brain spawn heavily inspired. Yes, we are indebted to them in yeah. more ways than I can imagine. I mean, they've definitely helped me through some of the tougher times in my life, and they've also been there for me, uh, like during very late night hours in university libraries where I'm like studying for tests or like copying down notes and making sense of stuff. You know, I would open oh. up. I would listen to a, a episode of the Bombcast to help me get through that stuff. You got one of them fancy brains. What can listen to talk and, and do reading at the same time? So no, it was it was. <laughs> so I would do this thing in college where I would I would handwrite all my notes in class, mm-hmm. and then I would go and retype them uh, in like Word or something to help me with recall. Okay, and I would listen to a podcast while I did. I can't. No, I can't. I can't program and I can't read while i if i'm listening to anything okay. anything right. with lyrics or words i can't do that but 
Yeah. But no, it was a lot of like, because that helped me so much. Because it's like passive studying, right? Like you're just, you're you're making yourself look at the information again. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're committing it to a second kind of muscle memory, which, right. which yeah, all builds uh, the very special brain goo. Yeah. And so the podcast, listening to a giant bomb cast while I did that for who knows how many hours during my time in college really, uh, really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bummer. That's, you know, this is to say that, you know, giant bomb is, is dead. It's definitely not. Um, I think there's definitely, this is a era of rebuilding, whatever that looks like. It's very funny listening to Vinny. Uh, he was talking about like, the last episode when they were leaving, he was talking about like their new owner, Red Ventures, who acquired them, you know, a couple months ago and saying like, we've never had a, you know, someone who's owned the site that like gets us so much and is so invested in making the site better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I choose to remain optimistic about that. I choose it's, I don't want to do any rumor mongering. It was like, what's going to happen next or what are they going to do? Or like what yeah. them all leaving at the same time seems real, you know, suspicious or whatever. But, um, I think, uh, I only hope the best for that site. Cause I mean, it means a lot to me and I hope to, I hope it continues to do great things and, you know, bring in new talent and maybe new voices in the industry. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good luck out there, Giant Bomb, you, you little startup, you. <laughs> no, you're going to need it. you got to go far, kid. Yeah, you're uh, going to be big one day. <laughs> uh, you know what else is big? What else is big? What else is big? Have you perhaps heard of Apple Inc.? Uh, maybe. They make okay. like the music, the MP3 players, right? Yeah, that's right. They make yeah. the, the, the knockoff uh, Zunes. Zunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about how uh, about Epic Mega Games? Have you heard of them? Uh, yeah, actually, I love their 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 yeah. Fortnite and their Unreal and <laughs> yeah. their uh, yeah. Who doesn't love Unreal Tournament? Yeah, these days. <laughs> when I think of Epic Games, I think of Unreal Tournament. That's right. Um, and Gears of War <laughs> and Rocket League. Oh man, uh, I, that's that's Psionic still, and they just bought it. Uh. <laughs> uh yeah, so I heard there's a scuffle happening uh, between these two giants. Yeah, it's like a barroom brawl. It really is like like the, the reports of coming the out are very knockdown, drag out kind of, uh, uh, and just so full of rudeness. I guess yeah. is another way to put it. Uh, wait, in what way do you do you mean that? Like rudeness towards each other, or because I feel like um, everyone's getting dragged into this this mess. Yeah, in, in like some some of the worst ways. Um, I am referring. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that email that got uh, that that came out. That was, I guess, it was Tim Cook. Yep. Uh, when Sweeney reached out to him via email, basically going, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> Uh, that was very funny, but also in like a wow. Uh, <laughs> um, well, what always gets me about that is that, like, it always. I feel like an email like that confirms so many suspicions and fears. I feel like games people have about general the general tech industry. Yeah, and I mean, some of that has already been brought to bear, like way before this. But just the idea, it's like, oh, if you work in commercial tech, you kind of look down your nose at people that work in the video game industry and i hands down think the people at apple just look down at everybody they're <laughs> they're, they're fucking ivory tower over there um so it's uh, a spaceship 
right ivory spaceship uh <laughs> uh yeah, yeah 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 um it's definitely a bit of that um and and the thing that got me really mad in the middle of the week and, and i think ultimately this ended up being a good thing for itch but it was the uh apple lawyer um calling think games on itch are, are, are like unspeakable uh yeah, let me see if i have the yeah let's find diff- the exact quote because it's, it's just as good as, as my uh, paraphrasing i'm sure uh apple is using itch.io's quote offensive and sexualized games as a cu- as a cudgel against epic is the headline here from the verge um right. let me see here's a here's a one quote i pulled out um where the apple attorney i forget who they have on the stand but they're listing someone from epic but they mm-hmm. are listing out um games that are available on itch which are you know vis-a-vis available on epic since you can download itch through the epic game store right uh the list includes per apple's attorney a game called sisterly lust that includes quote a list of fetishes which include many words that are not appropriate for us to speak in federal courts and the I, I recall someone like who was who was watching this live and like live tweeting or something saying uh 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 repeating that the judge is like well, well can you like give a few examples and and the lawyer being like so shocked and 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 horrified and and like no no i can't i won't like you know i'm an honorly man and, and this is too horrible <laughs> for me to speak my, of my constitution cannot allow me to utter these words right it's so <laughs> Uh, uh, this is, this is dumb for a number of reasons. Um, but my favorite being, uh, uh, well, okay, let's, let's, uh, maybe we go to Safari and, and look up some things on there that might be, uh, uh, perhaps offensive and sexualized and contain fetishes that we can't speak of in federal courts. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> is then is then Safari the web browser then liable for whatever you can obtain via right. the internet? It, it it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It was well, just I mean, like a a drag out against uh, yeah. uh the the lowest of the lowly indie developers, which you know like it's the most horrible example of punching down. Yeah, in this particular instance, and I mean, Kobe and I talked about it last episode, and like how it's also just like immediately like anti queer, um, but yeah. also like uh, it's it's so weird that that's the mentality that a a platform a platform that owns the App Store, which is like one of the most profitable games slash software platforms in existence, mm-hmm. is like that's just. It, they still have this weird you know the disney the, the disneyification of all things where it's like everything has to be family friendly and can't possibly offend anyone ever in any possible metric or 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 vector um just seems i i don't know i also have this this part here uh from that article and this is the quote that i always in my brain go to um And I think they've slightly changed. I'm just going to read this quote. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Until mid-2016, Apple told game developers that, quote, if you want to criticize a religion, write a book. If you want to describe sex, write a book or a song or create a medical app. They've always been so anti-video games or or just like games in general. Despite wanting to profit off them. Yeah, it's it's bizarre and it's frustrating 
Yeah. Um, and, that, and that was part of like the actual like app store guidelines. I'm pretty sure like the like the terms of service as a developer like had this direct quote in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing provoking. Right. Yes. Yeah. No thinking. <laughs> not in my video games. Have you met the average gamer? They don't want to think. They just want to shoot spaceships and get high scores. That's what video games are. Have you perhaps heard of Pong? That's what the gamers want. Um, It's very much that. It's very much like, hey, like I haven't touched a video game since 1985, and surely video (laughs) games haven't progressed as a medium since then. Correct? Um, Video games aren't Pac-Man anymore. Look, Tim Cook definitely has that energy. He walks out on stage. He's just like the, uh, uh, not surly, the the huggable grandpa that's just like, you know, I remember Pong and that's it. He calls every video game console a Nintendo. Yes. Um, And I think that originally like kind of started, you know, that whole, the whole argument over that, I think first cropped up because I believe there was an app there's a game on the app store that was like criticizing I believe it was I think there was a couple. I think there was one that was about like protests in the Middle East. And I think there was another about kind of the terrible work conditions in factories owned by companies like Foxconn which mm-hmm. manufacture all the devices that Apple sells. And I think both of those like quickly got removed and maybe there were some punitive measures made against their developers and there was kind of like this back and forth between you know the development community and apple and like this was kind of the stance apple took and i don't know what their stance is now because like i said it says until mid 2016 so i don't know if they've Mm -hmm. loosened those guidelines or maybe like with the apple arcade the messaging with with the apple arcade they would have had to because there's already games on there that like kind of do that and, and, and head into sort of darker more thoughtful territories right darker in heavy quotations um um and also kobe brought this up uh i believe um the fact that there is nothing is technically rated on the app store Mm -hmm. like games on the app store don't have to go through the esrb oh i never knew that so there's just kind of like this whole like you know wow unspoken rule that it's gotta like, be fairly well, that, family friendly yeah well that and just maybe not an unspoken rule but like there's just kind of like this silent agreement that like hey you don't have to have it like uh, apple is the arbiter here not the mm-hmm. esrp of what goes on the app store which right also kind of fucked since you know the esrb exists because of things like mortal Kombat. Which, you know, we got the, the games industry got pushed in front of Congress mm-hmm. and was like, hey, if you don't regulate yourselves, we're going to regulate you. And so yeah. they're like, well, we don't want to we don't want fucking, you know, these fucking geriatric Congress people that don't understand video games. And again, call every console in Nintendo to be the ones <laughs> determining the content ratings of video games. So we're going to create our own system and, you know, board to to do that for us. Right. Oh man, uh, so yeah, it's uh, like I said, I want to mention that I believe it ended up being sort of a net positive for itch. Um, obviously, if you mention uh, a place where you can get porn, uh, <laughs> people will will be like, oh, hmm, what's that? Like, uh, and and itch apparently got kind of a boost out of it and was happy to play along and apparently renamed their their like adult 18 plus section to like unspeakable games 
uh as a joke for like a day uh that's funny very good very very uh uh happy with that sure um still just like not okay with how it happened but fine yeah uh what about how about some of the news that came out from this well or something else yeah i was gonna ask uh what are your thoughts on (laughs) all these people trying to define what a game is oh oh that sucks too i mean it's just (laughs) i feel like uh 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 attempting to define a game just creates too many barriers and i've never felt like it should have a definition i guess yeah uh, there's i mean at the, i think like if if you were to have a definition of what a video game is it would mm-hmm. be all physical attributes right like a video game is defined by something that is interactive like yeah. I used to have like a pretty hardcore stance on I think it was Slender, um, the eight pages. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, oh, oh, the the video game. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I used to have like a pretty hardcore opinion on that one. It's like as not being a game because it doesn't have a win condition. Um, well, you collect eight pages. I you, you never can. Um, you're, you're oh, just, really? Yeah, the game is like programmed to basically kill you before that happens. Um, huh uh it's it's a it's an experience it's a virtual interactive experience that is supposed to scare you and so that's what it does um it does but sure but of course now you have a much more matured yeah point like of course it's a game it's it's something people do for fun and i think that's kind of it you know uh so a requirement for a video game is that you have to have fun you have to have uh, fun doing it wow all right really pigeonholing this entire medium alex a piece of interactive entertainment okay maybe maybe that's a much better one <laughs> yeah i mean like i feel like this is such a a structuralist you know formalist like oh absolutely academic exercise right it's just i mean and i mean they're doing this in a in a courtroom so they can create kind of a a taxonomy right to be like this is a game mm-hmm. this is not a game and like which are these how is this regulated? How is this not regulated? And the in the way in the way this kind of like came about in like uh a very um kind of tactile kind of uh the way this this played out and had repercussions is that so the argument that they were making, um, and I believe this was Epic making this argument. So like in case you don't understand how this whole Apple Epic thing is is what the whole thing is behind this, is that Epic wanted to sell V-Bucks on uh, iOS without having to pay Apple's 30% cut. Right. That's basically how it how it boiled down. So they purposely created did they create a they created a separate app that you can download? I think outside iOS or outside the App Store. Oh. That sold V-Bucks um for cheaper than that they were sold for within the Fortnite app. Oh, I, right. I believe right, is how right. it happened. Okay. Because basically, hey, if you buy V Bucks within the Fortnite app on iOS, it's gonna be thirty percent more expensive because we gotta have to give Apple their thirty percent cut. Whereas if you buy them from us direct within this Fortnite app, uh V Bucks app, whatever it was, yeah. um, it'll be cheaper. And we've gone and, through or rather like uh uh over Apple's head with this one. 
Yeah, and I don't point. know. I don't remember how they did. Did they sideload the app somehow, or did I they would like... assume it's sideloadable, which I think is a thing newer iPhones can do. They've sort of okay. opened up that in iOS, uh, which maybe through the browser or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, um, but then that's when Apple kind of brought the hammer down, and yeah, uh, it's like they, hey, that's our money, right? Or they pulled Fortnite. They also banned uh, Epic's like developer account, which also includes like. Unreal Engine like <laughs> access, yeah. which yeah. affects way more than just Epic, it's, um, which is wild. Yeah. Um, so these are these are you know the high points, and then there was that stupid fucking free Fortnite campaign they were doing. Yeah. Within Fortnite, and they did that fucking rip off 1984 ad, mm-hmm. which fucking the tweens that play Fortnite aren't going to understand this ad from the 80s. I understand <laughs> it because I had to take fucking marketing classes in college that fucking laud that ad it's a cool ad i like that ad yeah but fucking laud that ad is like this is what changed advertising it's an extremely famous ad yeah. yeah um but not famous to the fucking right flossers on children Ch- children won't on understand Fortnite. it yeah and, and as previously stated on this cast i have a big problem with with games and, and media and big companies all like manipulating children and it very much felt like uh come our massive armies of of yeah. tweens like you know like yell at apple a lot until they give in which uh, they did at the beginning of the court case because someone forgot to mute the like publicly accessible dial-in court number no kidding yeah so wow. for half an hour it was like teens screaming free Fortnite. jesus <laughs> into uh, the courtroom yeah i i wish to clarify as as angry as i am at apple for like demonizing indie devs for this i don't think either side uh has particularly good reasons for being in this case i mean it definitely seems like a titans of industry slap fight yeah. in a lot of ways but also and, and and like someone put it so beautifully the muck raking ends up just throwing muck into other people's gardens uh right which is what it's happening with like the itch stuff or like defining what a game is or right. like like you're having you're having all this stuff happen on the record that's like could ultimately really box the industry in in Mm -hmm. maybe unforeseeable ways but also i know i see some people ultimately like coming out like developers coming out just a little bit in favor of epic because i think they do want to read like tim sweeney's intentions as altruistic Mm because like hey i'm ultimately doing this for developers like developers shouldn't have to pay 30 percent to apple and like that's a big sticking point for like a lot of devs like we have this i have this gdc survey uh at the bottom of the show notes here and one of the insights from the survey uh from this year is only three percent uh of developers think the 30 percent 70 percent revenue split uh is justified from Mm. platforms yeah and like that's that's pretty stark that's a pretty stark that's a pretty low amount that's really yeah yeah um, and I think it's it's getting harder and harder for Valve and Apple and whatever other platforms that still want their 30% to make that justification. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw recently that like Microsoft for the Microsoft Store is changing their their rev split. I forget what it is. I think it's like 18% or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 12% uh, is Microsoft's new cut starting August 1st, it looks like. Um, so, yeah, I think like if epic wins and makes makes a valid case about like you know ios being a walled garden 
is not beneficial to developers like that could have positive effects i think Mm -hmm. um obviously those are effects that apple wouldn't want because they love their walled garden mentality and love having total final say over everything that flows in and out of their their at least their mobile platforms um right and they want Mac OS to be more and more like that down to the fact that like getting getting like your app signed on Mac OS is becoming a nightmare now. And like so many game developers are just like, I'm just not going to release on Mac anymore because mm-hmm. like it's just becoming a pain. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see what happens uh, in in that case and you know from that angle but i mean a a tangible effect that's happening right now is that because of this so so one of the arguments that epic's lawyer made is that you know the you can't so they're they were arguing about the definition of a game and like whether or not fortnite constitutes a game because you can do so much in fortnite and like is it technically a platform should a platform be allowed on the app store you know is it a game uh, because you know, Epic allows a separate platform on their platform, right? Like itch is accessible within Epic. Right. Um, and so one of the examples the Epic lawyers made was Roblox. Cause Roblox is technically a game, mm-hmm. uh, by Epic Epic's definition. Uh, and if Epic, if, if Roblox is a game, a game in which you download other people's creations within it and can access the other stuff that, uh apple technically uh isn't in control of like apple is verifying that the roblox app is meeting the app store guidelines itself but it is not checking every single individual piece of content that is created within roblox to make sure that it is meeting those requirements Mm -hmm. and and because it's a game it should meet those very strict puritanical restrictions that apple has set forth like none of these fetishistic overly sexualized games are available on our platform um (laughs) because so in response to that roblox went and changed and removed any reference to the word game within their ios app right because hey if it's not a game that is doesn't have to meet these very strict very kind of uh, <sighs> draconian requirements of what a game has to be within the app store. It's right. an experience. If it's ex- experience, it could be more open-ended and possibly sexual in nature or possibly X, Y, or Z thing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so here are the, here are the changes uh, within Roblox. Uh, any reference to games is now experiences. Uh, the continue playing button is now just continue. Uh, the friends list would be called was used to be called friends playing is now called friends visiting uh, games as a label that you can view like a viewable like tab within right. the app is now called discover join game is just called join and list of currently playing friends or playing players is it's now just active. called active yeah so good job I guess guys in making Roblox not a game anymore <laughs> piss themselves <laughs> and they kept using this term oh metaverse which i keep hating hearing the term metaverse now because now it's like fucking being used to for like nft shit and yeah. nonsense yeah it's frustrating yet another frustrating thing in this frustrating world so yeah so there's that and then there's a bunch of other stuff that came out because of it like a bunch of like industry secrets and stuff that people uh, i want to i want to I want to poke at my favorite. 
okay. uh, which was the the internal memo about them trying to get certain console exclusives onto their platform. Onto Epic? Onto Epic, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, which was essentially like... <laughs> next to nintendo there was a big like no with the with an exclamation point i'm paraphrasing this whole thing because it's just very funny um xbox was essentially them saying uh uh they laughed at us because our platform is on their platform um <laughs> <laughs> it's just real like you know it's like you know in cartoons where it's the f- small fish gets eaten by a big fish and that gets eaten by bigger fish right like it's like itch gets eaten by epic and then that gets eaten by microsoft right <laughs> what's happening here um and then sunny was just like well we're already doing this like like sony games have been turning up on epic for a little while now um yeah. but it, it was very funny that like that memo was even made like someone had to explain to to someone at epic like um well here's where we are with this (laughs) well i mean it makes sense right because obviously not everyone that works at a major games company like grew up playing games or grew up like is is interested in the culture so at some point some marketing guy is like well if we talk to nintendo about getting their games on our platform (laughs) and someone that has been like in the industry for decades or whatever has to be like all right, let uh, me let me, let me, break let this me down sit you. you down and tell you <laughs> about <laughs> Nintendo's policy on exclusives. <laughs> let me tell you how this works. Yeah, it's very know. much like a little kid being like, "I want Mario on the Xbox." Yeah, exactly. And, and like, um, all right, let's talk to you, Timmy. <laughs> We're about to have a very frank discussion about the Nintendos and Microsofts. <laughs> <laughs> every 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 child eventually has to have this discussion. Yes. <laughs> um, we kind of already talked about one of my favorites, where it was Tim Sweeney's email to Tim Cook, being like, "Hey." It also starts with y'all, which is so quaintly like. You know, ah, Tim Sweeney's a sweet North Kakalaki boy. I was gonna say, like North Carolina and through and yeah. through that ma- yeah. that man. <laughs> Which is funny because Tim Cook is like even more stellar, and I think he's from like Tennessee or Kentucky or something. And then he went to college at Duke. Like, mm. dude's very uh, also southern, but I guess California. Yeah, you know, wrung that all out of him. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, there was the. I also really liked how Apple really, really wanted to make Netflix keep their pay to subscribe option within the app because they were really loving all the 30% cuts they were getting from new Netflix subscribers. Mm-hmm. And that ha- that happened a couple of years ago, I think like in 2018, Netflix finally like, hey, we're going to pull the choice to subscribe to netflix out of the app because we're sick of paying you yeah and they're like what if we give you like like some sort of deal with like the apple tv like you know maybe every every apple tv purchase gets like a netflix subscription with it for like a year or something we give you a cut of that what if we get like how about how about in in apple store tie-in so what about what can we we please yeah please keep it in the please keep it in the app mm-hmm. we love money so much <laughs> It's definitely like, you know, yeah, like there was already a pattern even before Epic of of certain companies being like, we're big enough now that we don't have to play by these rules. Um, And all fairness. Yeah. (laughs) And in Apple being, you know, Apple basically lying or, you know, being coy about like, no, we don't give preferential treatment uh, to any companies or anything. And then clearly giving preferential treatment to Amazon, for instance, like, you know, every purchase you make 
within the Amazon app on iOS, you know, Apple's not getting a cut of that. Or if they are, it's very, very minute. Or there's like some sort of lump sum. Uh, there's, there's some agreement. rule among the big billionaires or something. Like, right. you know, if they make more money than you, you have to follow their their. <laughs> it's it, tim yeah. cook pulls his yacht up to yeah. jeff bezos's yacht yeah. you know and he's like yeah jeff i'm thinking about maybe 50 million next year just like you know just write me a check and then you're solid you don't need <laughs> no no rev split next year is that cool and then jeff's like yeah 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 that's good that's good yeah like great and, and then and, they both sail by and, and they throw like some money at each other as they, <laughs> they money party <laughs> money fight yeah um and then they yeah uh my other favorite one we should we should talk about this okay uh uh egs free games limited is apparently a subsidiary of of epic mm-hmm. that i assume is responsible for uh creating the deals uh the, for the developers. free games of the week the free game is it of the week i thought it was every two weeks i can't keep every up. week um, okay yeah it's been thursday to thursday okay well right now it's among us which is hilarious because a who doesn't already own among us I, and yeah. b it's five dollars <laughs> i wish i hadn't spent five dollars on among. no i'm just kidding <laughs> it's a and lovely it's team i'm glad i bought on, it on mobile so right right um, um my understanding is the mobile version has ads, so if that's the thing that bothers you, uh, oh, maybe they yeah. have an in-app like remove ads option. I think I assume they, they do. do. Yeah, I assume they do. Unaware, unaware of that. Um, how do ads even work in that game? Do they just come up at the end of the? Um, there's just like a little the match bar in the main menu. Um, oh, okay, it's something in the middle of the game. I think. Uh, uh, they're lovely. That's people. unobtrusive. That's fine. Yeah. They're yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, Shout they're, out they're, to Inner Sloth. Exactly. Uh, okay, EGS Free Games Limited. Um, here are, this shows, I think, for like the first year or so, the free games that were available on Epic. Yeah. Um, There's so, some I interesting mean, stats here. Yeah, so I mean, it's been pretty uh, obvious uh, for a long, long time that Epic has just kind of been throwing money hand over fist at the Epic Game Store um, mm-hmm. to catch up to be competitive with other platforms, whether it be Steam or... I guess iOS are also kind of like, I mean, you can't get, you can't get the Epic Game Store on iOS, but like, yeah, they are jockeying to be a name as big as any of those other uh, game platforms. And, um, and my eye is already bigger than Origin, so you know, like, <laughs> oh, you mean EA Play? Wait, is that what the new one's called? I'm pretty sure it's still Origin. No, EA Desktop when is I, the new one. When I boot up Knockout City, it says booting Origin. So well, in maybe order they haven't... for knockout city to work for me via game pass i had to download their new application ea desktop which i assume Weird. is going to uh at some point replace origin well i hope it's better it's fine it's you know okay as long as it works that's all it i works. ask eh, it works so origin doesn't half the time yeah um yeah i heard biomutant was like three dollars on that <laughs> yeah on i launch. also saw that <laughs> Warrior uh, 64. I don't know what was going on there. Apparently, it was working for some, not working for others, trying to get that deal. Odd. Very uh, funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the EGS free games, there's definitely some interesting numbers here happening. Yeah. So let me talk about the stats they they show. All right, so title of the game, obviously, um, the kind of the developer, publisher they're working with. Uh, entitlements, which is number of downloads. 
Mm-hmm. Um, buyout price, which is the lump sum they, that they pay the developer or publisher. Um, new epic accounts, which means the how much the, how much conversion there was, right? Uh, um, to use just, a web marketing term, exactly. Just the flat rate number of new signups uh, for each game. Mm-hmm. Uh, epic user acquisition cost. So this is basically um, the buyout price divided by the new epic accounts. Um, so how much it costs to acquire each new user and the bigger this number is basically the worst deal they got the lower this number is the better deal they got yeah um and then new to epic percentage uh which i'm not very clear i guess this is this would be the new epic accounts divided by the entitlements right i guess because it would be the new epic accounts created versus the number of downloads the game received yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah, percentage um, of new to epic accounts. So, uh our our top 3 buyouts mm-hmm. were um fascinating. Yes. Uh we've got Batman Arkham Collection, which right. that's three whole games. Well, it was more than that because it was also the the Lego Batman games. Oh shit, I believe. Okay. Um, it was a lot of Batman stuff. It might have also been like one of the Telltale Batman seasons. I can't, but it was at the very Ar- least Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. And then also like I think the three Lego Batman games. But it makes sense. It's a lot of Batman. So that's it's a lot why, of Batman. That's why it's the highest one at like 1.5 million. Yeah. Um, Batman is worth at least that much. But Batman has that much, probably. It is <laughs> yeah, this piggy bank. Yeah. Um and his uh, pinky <laughs> and his bat piggy bank uh subnautica at 1.4 this is cool yeah I, I i this is just a very indicative of how big subnautica has grown um and i think also indicative of just how much its developers are aware of that and yeah. and i i have a lot of love and respect for the subnautica people so i i thought that's pretty sweet sick that they're in second place yeah um, and to be clear like these are these are deals like these this yeah. isn't like there isn't i assume i mean i haven't seen anything to counter this idea mm-hmm. but it's not like you know it's not like epic approached these people and was like we're gonna give you 1.4 million dollars and so and the sonata devs were like yeah okay it was probably more like hey we're thinking to give you this much how does that sound and then mm-hmm. The Sonata devs were like, we're thinking this much. And like, right. I, obviously, some negotiation was happening here. And we'll see soon enough where people might have been just, pretty good at negotiating <laughs> and maybe a little less good at negotiating. It's like like some indie devs I can certainly see, like, you know, first first chance at like a pretty decent paycheck would like jump at it. And, and I like that Subnautica's like, no, nah, we're, we're worth more. Yeah. Prob- probably is what happened here. But that's 1.4 million for them. Is Subnautica the biggest survival game? Like, is it bigger than Ark or Rust or... I... I would think or, so. You think so? Yeah. Is it like I, that I, second generation wave of of um survival games where it was like... Because, like, you look at Ark or Rust and they, like, look pretty janky. Was Subnautica, yeah. like, the kind of game where it's like, all right, here's a survival game, but, like, with a... With polish with, and yeah, a story value. And, and a really good sense of progression and uh, a lot of, like, good elements from a bunch of genres like you know it takes advantage of its horror scenarios um it's it's got a real heart to it because the developers were like you know we're not putting a gun in the game no violence um uh so like that's that's really cool uh uh i want to say it is 
if only because in my sphere of people who play survival games, um, I hear more about Subnautica than I do anything else. Uh, so especially with the the new expansion coming out, like that below zero, right? That was I don't know two or three weeks ago, maybe more. Um, but but recent and and yeah, like it's 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 still growing. Um, and that might have been part of how they were able to say like 1.4 million because like you know you're you're gonna get a lot of people who want this game because the expansion's coming out and like they might want to play the first before the second. You think the expansion uh, was was the expansion announced when they did this deal or when they? Um, uh, when they when when the game was free on Epic, was the expansion already announced? They have dates see. here. Yeah, Start they. Date for so that's Sonata. when it went free, right? Yeah. Yeah. 12, what's the date? Twenty eighteen, December of twenty eighteen. Okay. So like right before, yeah, I, I think it was announced before that. Okay. We didn't really like have a lot, no trailers or anything, but but like they had said we're working on this because I remember concept art being out almost as soon as um the full game released out of early access the original um they'd already said like we're working on something to, to continue it yeah it uh, says initial release date for subnautica below zero i don't know if is this true it says initial release date january 30th 2019 oh is this an early access game oh it might have been you know what yeah probably okay so they would definitely probably have said something yeah before then okay yeah that makes sense all right that adds up to me uh let's see um i i want to jump to this one because this is certainly the most shocking thing on here but i don't think it's as shocking as you might think okay um the lowest payout being metro 23 2033 redux at zero dollars uh apparently the metro devs were just like yeah sure um just take it uh this at first is like whoa what but um They've been giving that game out for free for years. <laughs> oh, really? I've had it definitely got it for free on Steam like, like years before this. Um, I, My thinking was that it was somehow due to the fact that Metro Exodus was Epic exclusive. And that most certainly has something to do with it. Uh, also, the fact that it's um, it's in the name. It's Redux. It's a it's a remaster of the original Metro 2033. Um I want to say everyone who owned the original 2033 got it for free. And then like two or three years after that, they were just like, it's it's permanently free for a week on Steam. Just get it. And you'll own it. Uh, and they did like a couple times with like bundles and whatnot. They just, they, they, they canned that game out like candy. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, uh, evidently Epic handed $0 over <laughs> for that uh, and got a 4% new to Epic account rate out okay. of that <laughs> um so third highest payout was mutant year zero for a million dollars good for that game um i hear that game i have that game i got that game on yeah. epic i still need to check it out i've heard good things okay um let's talk about some of these indie payouts yeah right. uh inside eight hundred thousand dollars that's pretty good for like a two that's three good. year old game yeah um, um <laughs> wow I'm still thinking about that actually. <laughs> I mean that's I mean I don't know how big uh Playdead is. I can I can They definitely persu- like establish themselves as a kind of prestige indie brand, right? Cuz like Limbo yes. was one of I don't know, like the big 10 when indie was still like new and burgeoning right. and and we are Playdead, we we helped usher in this era and Well and- also they take like demos really seriously. Like I remember I think Callum uh was telling me once how like 
when they had inside like at a show or something for like press to play like they had a secluded room with like no sort of like no one else except the person playing the game was allowed in there and they got like sound canceling headphones and like you like they take like their game experiences very seriously uh, which i i respect but i'm curious like you know eight hundred thousand dollars if that's a team i don't know how big that team is but Mm -hmm. if that team is only half a dozen people like that's a good that'll last you a little bit yeah like maybe like a year or something um and then i mean you gotta think about how well inside did on its own right uh celeste celeste uh seven hundred fifty thousand dollars perfectly reasonable that's a game of the war game of the year award nominee yeah Uh, if not winner i think it definitely took on something uh i think so jeff Keeley likes that game so yeah therefore worth seven hundred well three quarters of a million (laughs) why didn't they put his face as a mask and celeste then i don't know um yeah i mean i think that's a good like extremely okay also great people also deserving of that amount enter the gungeon also a pretty old game at this point. Yeah. This one uh, actually might be the most surprising on here. Um, uh, $700,000, which to be fair, like that's going to Devolver. I don't know right. how much of that goes back to uh, Dodge Roll, but... A... I would say that probably has more to do with Devolver knowing how to negotiate. They've been in this business long enough than sure, anything. But did they have anything else on here besides that? Uh, No. I don't think so. Um. But that yeah. might be why <laughs> they might have been in like like strong armed epic so hard right. that they were like, like here's, uh, here's our one here's our one buy in yeah. um uh axiom verge eight thousand eighty eight thousand eighty thousand dollars right. um I actually recently uh watched the mini doc with uh the developer of that game Tom Hap I think is his his last name mm-hmm. uh because they announced that uh, axiom verge two got delayed again and they put out his mini doc for free on it's over on ign you just google that ign uh axiom version mini doc i really like that documentary um it's so he is a solo dev like he is a solo dev in like the strictest sense of the word like he has solo he has a he has a business dev guy who's a guy that like worked at like nintendo he's the guy that like started nintendo's like indie uh liaison stuff like he's basically the reason nintendo even has like indie relations at all that's a really good ace to have in your deck yeah um and then he also worked at sony for a little bit i believe Mm -hmm. um but outside of that seems like he is pretty much a solo developer (laughs) there's a part in the interview part in the documentary where uh his biz dev guy is like yeah people tell me is like you know they see the credits it says solely developed by tom hap and they're like well surely not not even the music right you got someone else to do the music it's like nope yep music too and then you hear off screen tom go music's the easiest part and i'm like (laughs) that's that's a statement that i would not want to have said myself that is a power move yeah i i <laughs> i mean i have to respect that holy yeah, i shit. guess good on him for having the confidence to be that confident in the I, music he creates i, I definitely I wonder don't wonder if he was a musician first uh he worked at petroglyph and ea like as a oh. programmer so i don't oh, know how okay. much of a, maybe he know. was like a maybe he's like in the chiptune scene or something yeah, like a garage maybe, band in high school or something yeah, that's funny yes. the verges the axioms yeah 
Um, I don't want to speak for all indie developers, but for a little bit of context, uh, I definitely find music the hardest. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. hard for me. <laughs> if um, you're not from any kind of musical background, it's certainly uh, certainly some effort to try and break into that. But one of my favorite parts of that documentary is how he talks about how he tackle, tackles solo development. Mm-hmm. And he talks about... And this this was really helpful to me. His advice was focus on the parts... Always be doing something that you're enjoying. Like if at any point something becomes unenjoyable, rotate it out to something else. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about there was like he was really enjoying doing like all the environment art for Axiom Verge. It's all pixel art. And he like did all the environment art because he found that very like soothing and therapeutic. And then he started he switched to like enemy design and enemy combat encounters and like animations. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and when I'm doing that like I don't get into the mindset of like, Oh God, like I have so many more of these things to create because I could just remind myself. It's like, well, once I do this, all the environment arts already done. So I could just slot it into the game and like everything looks pretty presentable already. And I (laughs) definitely find myself in that mindset. A lot of the times where it's like, I'm working on something. I'm like, Oh God, like after this, I have to do this and then I have to do that and I have to do this. And so I think doing those like mental exercises to like trick your brain Mm -hmm. to like find every part of the development process enjoyable instead of like being afraid of like what's coming up next. I think it's just such a smart piece of advice. Um, Right. So Axiom Verge, 80,000 Thimbleweed Park, 85,000 Fez, 75,000. This is another weird one. Hyperlight Drifter, $200,000. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't find that, that one too weird. No, I mean, it's a big game. Like, it's a popular game. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a game that's, what, a decade old at this point? Um, you, well, no. Wait, 2015? Not not a decade. But I probably like Drifter. 2015? Really? I definitely kickstarted that in college. Uh, and... Yeah. Wow, fourteen or Drifter came out in twenty sixteen. You're oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, when was the Kickstarter done then? Like definitely within my college years. That was like twenty twelve, between twenty twelve and sixteen. Um, I remember backing it, and I remember playing a demo in my dorm. But it was like the dorm that I had either junior or senior year, so it would have been pretty late into that. Okay. Um. um because that's not a small team. No. Um, um, and they're, they're hiring like, like eight people or something right now. So yeah, Heart Machine's pretty big. Heart Machine's doing good. And they uh, have, let me look at this. Uh, I got this IGF award. They're all on stage. One, two, three, four, there's six people on stage. Um, yeah. And so it's a, it's a pretty big team. So, you know, $200,000, pretty good deal, but also not going to, uh, not going to stretch very far. Like right. eighty thousand dollars for Tom versus two hundred thousand dollars for a team of probably like a dozen or so that have offices in L.A. Yeah, much different value there. They, yeah, probably again the results of some good negotiations. Uh, or or well, yeah, actually, probably yeah. Now that you say they have offices in L.A. and thinking about how big their team is, two hundred thousand does not seem like that much. <laughs> no, that's kind of a pittance. Um, yeah. But, I mean, good for how old that game is, right? For a game that I have sure. definitely gotten for free elsewhere, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, you have to think about, like, every time you get a game for free, 
outside of it being like steam but maybe even steam does like offers with devs or something yeah. i don't think so I'm, i might be wrong who knows but I don't know. if you get a game for free on like prime gaming i think amazon also does deals payouts like that mm-hmm. i think but i think their payouts are different right because their payouts are based on number of users that download the game i think oh okay. versus just flat amounts i can't remember disregard that that might be completely false um but yeah. this is constantly something. It's also something that burgeoning devs really need to think of because the game, the money your game makes doesn't stop at how many units it sells on Steam, right? Yes. Like it goes. There's merchandising. It, no, well, well, even like, <laughs> but if we, if we were, yeah, it's true. If we restrict it just to moving units, like you can move units so far beyond just selling them on whatever game platform you're thinking of like after the huge spike after initial sales have dwindled like a lot of these games their long tail is derived from stuff like this it's stuff like humble bundle it's stuff like epic game store um Mm -hmm. you know being part of the free games initiative um there are so many i think i think devs get really stuck in this mindset of like it's only about how however many my game how however many units my game sells just through steam or whatever and it's like you need to be an advocate beyond that and find like ways to also get your product in other people's hands yeah um Uh, with all that said i'm gonna throw a thought out there i think we spent a lot of time on epic stuff yeah yeah, i was i was i was gonna (laughs) yeah i think we're good i think okay i think Uh, the interesting i'm gonna point out this one thing we also have like uh i also like picked out the top three uh numbers of the top three games that cause the highest new epic signups and it's really weird that what remains of edith finch is on this list yeah it it went like basically followed the top three highest payouts but then edith finch creep, crept into number three yeah um, which is cool that's really cool yeah uh got me to play it yeah. uh although i already had an account <laughs> <laughs> listen i had to make games somehow i like ue4 <laughs> or ue5 now wow yeah that's something that we new, forgot to talk that, about see that demo uh dude so many triangles so a big triangles. day for triangles. A lot of devs are really excited about. I think they basically killed big lighting. Yeah, uh, with that new demo. So that's what that is. Like, I no longer have to worry about big lighting. Um, and I also am very excited about like the in-engine uh uh sound synthesi- synthesization. Um, so now I don't have to have like a separate app for creating sound effects. I can, okay, I can make have, like them a doll in there now. Kind of. It, they have like a blueprint system similar to uh, their the rest of their scripting, but it can sure. be it can make sounds. And they showed how they d- used it to make the the little robot things laser. That's uh, pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's no longer four; it's five. Everything I've made suddenly so outdated. Is that uh, easy? Is that quote quote unquote easy process to like import it into five and like bug check? Supposedly. This is what they're claiming. Every uh-huh. UE4 project can be easily migrated to five. Um, yeah. Well, Unity's made similar claims, and right, I I don't know if I trust it yet. Um, that yeah. and I would say most of my projects, uh, I could just start over with easy. Um, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough Epic Apple stuff. Yeah. Uh, eventually, a something will happen there. A, I think. I think like this week. I think like a final verdict is going to come and it's not it's not a jury-based court case it's in front of a federal judge so the federal judge makes the the final ruling right um all right we should uh, talk about games 
You want to talk about video games? I do. Okay. Uh, tell me, tell me about a video game. Okay. Any game. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Donkey man. Kong 64. Let me tell you, it's a great game. <laughs> Rare's finest. The pinnacle of 3D platformers. I don't, I don't, I don't think I cared for that one very much. No um, one did. <laughs> okay. I should, I should, I should bring this up really quick. And I, and I promise I won't take too long. I know it's probably a meme, at least within WordCast circles. Alex loves to talk about Overwatch. Um, I do. I've been getting back into it. I, I steadily go in and out of an Overwatch ebb and flow, basically. But uh, there has been some interesting news recently regarding Overwatch 2 that has kind of sent... Overwatch the... 2! <laughs> Pickle guy. Yeah. Uh kind of sent the internet into a tizzy um yeah. they announced that it's going from 6v6 to 5v5 oh right they're removing uh, a tank position from the lineup it's gonna be one tank two healers two damage uh interesting and this has been uh a i want to point out there's been some real real interesting takes on this uh, I, I think I saw a, a coach for an Overwatch League team, the Dallas Fuel. I don't know if he still is, but he was. Um, this is uh, Jane something. Uh, I think Jane might be the username. But he said it had something to do with like the Overwatch League trying to save money and not paying as many players. Uh, and hmm. someone from the Overwatch League came out and said, like, that is the stupidest opinion on this i have read today and i that's <laughs> that's a real like amazingly like ignorant like, like lack of understanding of like how game design works easily right um i i and then i was talking with a friend and i've got a buddy who's like really good at the game he's like plat diamond uh, uh and i really enjoy playing with him because he like helps me understand it in a level that i haven't been able to after six years um he brought up the fact that every single defining meta this game has had every single time it's gotten stale it's been because of two tanks who happen to work very well together um and that's still the case today like we're currently experiencing uh, uh zarya winston works really really well together right now uh they call it the double bubble um so i think they're just hanging it up and they're like okay wait in order for this game to like be properly balanced we have to cut it uh so i just wanted to share that i think there's a lot of of uproar surrounding like how fun it was to be an off tank which is to say a tank that isn't primarily for defense but rather for like a, a sort of alternative use um to play around a main tank which is more of like the reinhardt or uh the orissa that puts a big barrier and, and protects the team uh this is evidently i mean they're saying we're working around that and we're making every tank able to play as both a main and off tank. And so I have faith that it could be fine. Um, what scares me the most is the direction the game might be taking towards a much more deathmatchy pace. Um, less about objective, more about kills. Uh, I was going to ask, is this like... Because my thought, the second you said 
they're removing one tank is okay are they unsatisfied with the length of games Mm. the length of rounds um like do they want to reduce the time to kill for any individual player things like that yeah it's uh that much is a little frightening if only because games that are tend to be more deathmatchy just don't have as big a longevity uh and as much as i hate to admit it i mean that's probably why we don't see titanfall 2 as as big as it is um as big as it should be uh (laughs) (laughs) as big as it deserves right i have that on pc now via the games pass including oh very nice um ea stuff yeah so i i think um i think if there's anything to worry about it's that uh that the pace of the game is going to go from like a much more tactical thinking man's shooter um like a valorant and more towards a titanfall and sure. that does like we, we're just seeing a trend that does not hold a player base anymore players want something that sort of keeps them engaged and i'm i think overwatch certainly has the staying power to test it at least like it's it's got a fan base for more than just being a, a fun video game but being something colorful and, and creative and interesting but uh yeah that's my thoughts on that sorry think, that took think, longer than i wanted it no to, it's but. good i mean talking about <laughs> game balance and stuff like that's always an interesting conversation um yeah i'm also curious i mean blizzard at the very least has had a good historical uh trend of being responsive when their player bases are upset i mean you have to look no further than the diablo 3 auction house real money auction house to find an example but even then i mean like world of warcraft the its expansions classically are on this qualitative pendulum swing where it's like oh it's like great this expansion and then ah this one's not so great (laughs) then this one's great and then that one's done it's like it's always in every other kind of thing Um, right i think hearthstone's in a similar boat there people like every other hearthstone update <laughs> that's interesting yeah i always I, I don't pay too much attention to that meta i so. think that might have changed when the um the lead designer swapped out yeah i mean i mean that's ultimately like my thinking right it's like how much like i can't not think about people you know major changes like this and possibly like turmoil in the player base and possibly like a uh a downtick in popularity for overwatch and not think about jeff kaplan's departure right like that that's the big thing that that's what everyone's worried about that that's like indicative of something and i can't say i think that it is but it is certainly a tiny voice in the back of my mind sure it's maybe like huh um but in any case that's the overwatch news that's uh i i wanted to put that opinion out there because i think uh there's just a lot of hoopla surrounding like all kinds of ideas surrounding why they would have done that. And that's the Overwatch news with our lead correspondent, Alex Damrath. <laughs> now to our next segment. Would Lady D make a good tank? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, She's basically invincible right up until her boss fight. Uh, okay. Wow, so- spoilers. <laughs> um, I don't want to... I don't know how much I should spoil. But I do think, Dylan, uh, maybe you shouldn't play this one. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. How about we do this? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about what I understand of Resident Evil Village, not okay. Resident Evil Eight Village, just Resident Evil Village. Which, right. why'd they fuck that up? Um, 
I mean, it's got an eight in there too. Yeah, it's but it's an, like sure it's eight illage, it, 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 tillage, it, it tillage. I don't know. Um, it's how I say <laughs> village in Eastern Europe. Um, right. All right, this is what I understand. This is what I've been told mm-hmm. from the internet. Yeah. All right, uh, Lady D. I still. What's her name? How did, Lady Dimitrescu. I thought it was like Dimitrescu. Nope. Okay. Dim- Dim- this is how they say it in the game, and this is how uh, I, I looked it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, double checking your pronunciation. Very good work. I God, <laughs> this is going to come up. Walked into um, it anyway. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I understand that Lady Dimitrescu is not actually in the game for much. Uh, no. She is a a Mister X style kind of encounter um it chases you through like one of the environments sure uh yeah i know ethan winter's hands get super fucked up oh yeah all All the time time. Mm -hmm. and from what i've been told resident evil 8 is like resident evil village resident evil village is like a perfect balance of resident evil 4 and resident evil 7 which from what i have been able to interpret makes it not as scary as seven, maybe scarier than four, which four isn't really scary at all. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's a like dumb, a more actiony. Yeah. Dumb pulpy action movie. It, that's, okay. that's all I understand. Fucked up hands. Not as scary as seven. So Big lady, not there for that long. Let's talk all about this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Resident evil village. If resident evil seven was an evolution on the original trilogies, that is a a big dungeon that you slowly unpick the knot of as you walk through it, solving puzzles um, with much more of an emphasis on like resource uh, scarcity and uh, just surviving. Uh, it Resident Evil Village is an evolution on four, which is much more combat focused. Uh, instead of like keeping a bunch of supplies stocked in various safe rooms, you just have a shop and you can like sell and buy back your weapons if you really wanted to Mm -hmm. uh do that what are you buying what are you selling exactly uh that to that effect there's much more emphasis on killing things because they all drop treasure and money and and loot that you can sell uh they um have built it in a way and i've actually never played through four all the way i think i've started it a couple times but um i understand like four makes use of a very good different set pieces different levels uh to kind of keep the interest there uh, and eight does that very well um so yeah that that is true this is this is four meet seven um and fully capitalizing on what I, I mean, I've been calling the Resident Evil flow. This is something that I've I've just I'm smitten with. It's made me so interested in every future Resident Evil game. Two was spectacular and how much it held me. Seven, same way. Um, eight, even more so. Yeah. Um, you're just you're so engrossed. Every beat is is so perfectly paced. Uh, it's hard to stop playing. Honestly, hard to stop thinking about. It even. Yeah, uh, Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, on the bombcast said that like he's never played a game that so desperately wanted him to finish it yeah which is a, a great feeling because i've definitely i have a hard time recently like picking up big kind of triple a games because mm-hmm. i'm just like all right like am i gonna feel invested like i have this problem with like netflix right like i yeah. will thumb through netflix for like 20 minutes being like all right like 
everyone tells me the show is great, but like, am, am I gonna feel like up to actually watching right up and to six hundred like hours of content? And I have like a <laughs> such a specific palette. It's like, all right, I'm in the mood for this. Like, I want specifically mm-hmm. like a drama. I want something that will like intellectually engage me, et cetera, et cetera. And for like games, it's so often I've been like in recent years, like oh, I want, I want like a big. RPG, like I want to feel like I felt when I played Skyrim for the first time or something like that. And it's yeah. just like, you know, I can't find that. Or if like, what if I get like five hours into a game and I'll find out I'm not that interested. So like that kind of like analysis paralysis, right? Or mm-hmm. like getting getting myself started on a game. And that's why I found, you know, The Last of Us game so engrossing because like they held my attention. And They like, certainly I've, are. If, if there's a, a positive to those games, that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of positives, but that was one thing I certainly found playing through the first one. So if this game's uh, like that, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. So <laughs> I I keep telling you, maybe think twice, and, and I know I've been like holding back on telling you why. No. It's um, like Robert Zimmerman said, don't think twice. It's all right. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's several set pieces. Uh, you're introduced near the beginning to um these these four i kept calling them robot masters because that's what it feels like <laughs> the robot masters from mega man yeah yeah it's cut um, man right. ice man air man <laughs> um i think the game refers Good to man. them as the lords but they all have their own stage and they are the boss fight um and every stage <laughs> oh you got your castlevania in my resident evil <laughs> Um, each dungeon, essentially each stage, uh, all plays like a different kind of horror game. And so there's the RE team just kind of set out to prove that they were good at all of this. Um, even though they're sort of their bread and butter has been like the, the action dungeon, uh, crawler puzzle solvey, uh, with like a cheesy story running throughout. Um, they, they just kind of said, all right, but what if we tried, everything else and just showed that like yeah we're we're actually like competent at all forms of horror game um so the first one is lady d's castle and yes it's true she's the boss she dies at the end uh you never see her again wow um but lady d's castle is uh sort of the most classic resident evil it's it's the most um like like figure out the map in your head and and sort of run from room to room solving puzzles while being chased by a tyrant that's her um you, she has three daughters i'm sure you've seen in the trailers uh they're kind of like mini bosses that are scattered throughout it uh but yeah you, you kind of have to crawl your way through her her resident classic resident evil style dungeon um uh, until you fight her uh and then you sort of the second dungeon is a PT-esque, they take away your weapons, chiller style, dark hallway walkthrough. Uh, and this is this is why. This is why I'm telling Dylan, maybe hold off. I don't think I've played a horror game that scared me as bad as this section. I was fucking shaking coming out of it. It is terrifying what they do in this bit. I like it's it's a dollhouse for one and I don't like dolls um <laughs> I, I wouldn't call them a phobia but I definitely just don't like them sounds uh, like a phobia sounds yeah. like it just pushed your buttons in particular 
it's like I, I I would say uh the difference is I can be around a doll and just be kind of like unnerved but like still functioning. Uh, if you put me on a roller coaster, I will I will be like convulsing, shaking, can't function for like a few minutes afterwards. Um, like roller coasters are my big thing. Um, but dolls, I just don't like them. Uh, but yeah, certainly a little scary already. Um, and then like they they sort of lead you through this sort of winding corridor, and you you meet one of the dolls. She's she's one of the robot masters. This is doll man um she uh uh kind of pops out and scares you the lights go out they come back and ethan's like oh no all of my items in your inventory is just cleared you have no guns no ammo no healing nothing oh no uh and yeah and then you're just like trying to solve this puzzle and the lights are out and and there's things that happen in that house that are just so utterly fucking scary I, it was, I had to applaud it, but yeah, again, I, I came out the other end and I was just like, I never want to do that again. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the second dungeon. <laughs> uh, and then they do like the third one's more of a, um, a faster, like, you know, here's a huge monster. Um, and, and you sort of have to solve these puzzles on the fly while it's like doing things to you. Um, and, and a big sort of like open outdoor area. Uh, and then four is much more of a, um, a combat arena where, where you're sort of in, in, in a dark corridor full of monsters and you have to like, they all have different weak spots scattered around their body. So it's like a, a shooting gallery definitely uh, is the focus there. Um, I, I liked, oh, and then there's like the hub world connecting. All of these is the village, the quintessential village. And every time you come out of one of these dungeons, you have like more options to explore the village and find more resources scattered throughout it and more weapons and more treasure. Uh, So it keeps you invested in that too. Um, There's just constant beats that keep it moving. And uh, God, yeah, it's, it is fantastic. It's hands down the best game I played this year. Um, Wow. 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 And uh, I I don't want to spoil too much but I liked how much it tied in with seven a little more than it initially Mm. led on. Um, Mm. Because at first it's like, oh, it's Ethan Winters again. And uh, his wife, his daughter gets kidnapped and he's out to rescue his daughter. Uh, But it it turns out to be like just a little bit more tied in with the Bayou than you might initially think. Mm. Um, But yeah, I heard it has heard there's a good like previously on resident evil thing at the beginning too so in case you haven't played seven yeah it'll it'll catch you up yep i still want to try it like i'm willing to get over my your fear of spooky games babiness because i've just heard so (laughs) many just great things about it yeah once you get past that second dungeon it's never that scary again um so and and it's not really that scary leading up to it either you just kind of uh, avoid the big lady and um, <laughs> deal what with... What if I don't want to avoid the big lady? <laughs> well, she kills you, so... Uh... Oh, shit. <laughs> what if I'm into that? <laughs> oh, trust me. Uh, uh, I, I get it. <laughs> it's just not reciprocated ever, which is a real shame. Um, well, 
unrequited love i hate to see it yeah i'm sure someday uh it will be there's already a happening mod scene uh my favorite of which is every single time uh you see lady d show up in the castle her hat gets bigger Um, (laughs) i have seen that one my favorite is they swap out her face for thomas the tank engine just her face though yeah just the face (laughs) just the face (laughs) and then there's one where they swap (laughs) they swap uh chris redfield's head with your baby's head um and that one's pretty good uh i i also like that um Uh, uh, this whole game takes place in quote unquote Europe, and by that I mean in a very Capcom way. They drew a big circle over all of Europe, and like, yeah, this is the location. Yeah, because Europe. like you, you have like the fourth guy, the the fourth dungeon guy is like a German Nicholas Cage, um, uh, yeah, named Heisenberg, by the way, which was right, funny, perfect, amazing. Uh, and then like what, die like, face off. <laughs> Um, and then you have uh, like Lady Dimitrescu, which is more Romanian. Um, the the second one is like Italian. I forget their name exactly, but it's a very Italian name. And then Moro's uh, something uh, third guy. Uh, they don't go into him much, but it's still just kind of funny that like the village is just general Europe. Um, sure. And also in the beginning of the game, there's like uh, a prologue with you and your wife, and she mentions like you know like we moved to Europe to get away from Louisiana. They don't. They just don't say where. It's just Europe. <laughs> yeah, I like how they also like. We have to move to a whole new continent to get away from this one state. Yeah, like uh, the entire United <laughs> States, all of North America is tainted. We gotta start the, over. The PTSD is that bad, man. <laughs> I, I get it. I guess. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's much more action oriented. Ultimately, uh, there's there's lots of cool weapons, lots of cool upgrades, and and you can certainly feel like a badass going through it. Uh, I also like that when you reach the end, it gives you the very classic uh, survival horror thing of uh, here's ways we can sort of uh, here's achievements you can do, things you can unlock that will make further runs even more broken like infinite ammo for certain weapons or sure. even a goddamn lightsaber is like an unlockable classic re you know get your gold rocket launcher right um uh my favorite is i think silent hill 3 if you beat it under certain conditions gave you a magical girl wand that transformed <laughs> the actually gave the main character like a transformation sequence and then she would shoot lasers out of her eyes if she was transformed incredible uh yeah um it's so, like all that's there. Uh, there's even a mercenaries mode in this one, which thank God was missing that uh, from like the last two entries I've played. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Again, uh, or rather, I don't know if I've said this yet, but uh, if we were to do game of the year now, that would be it. Just just like that. Just yeah. like that, huh? Hands down. Uh, loved RE8. So yeah, if you're feeling like you could stomach a, a super scary bit, then yeah, I would recommend I think it. I could do it. I think okay. I could do it. Like it just, I think it, I think it was Daniel Dwyer saying like this game wants you to finish it, and yeah. like I've played so many, not so many, it, but some of the horror short. games. Yeah, yeah, it's I heard like, it's like eight hours or something. It's like eight to ten hours. Yeah, depending on how much you want to complete everything, because there's like still some side quests and stuff to do. There's like a full on couple of areas and like uh, some side bosses that like you have no requirement to do, but it were fun to do anyway. I I liked trying to a hundred percent it. Uh. Yeah, every dungeon has like a pinball thing in it. That's like a separate 
uh, uh, it's not a pinball. It's it's one of those things where you have to like tilt it to get a metal oh, ball yes, to roll yes, into a yes, hole. Yes, um, little ball mazes. Yeah, uh, and you actually have to find said metal ball in oh the dungeon, and then you sort of find the 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 ball roller separately, and, and that's like its own thing. Uh, yeah. Do you get anything from that, or is that just like just to do? You get a treasure that sells for a lot of money. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's it's all worth it. They they make everything that you can do in that game very worth it. I went out of my way to find a rare fish because it gave you a movement speed buff if you took it to the duke and he'd like cook it for you. Wow. Um. Oh, and that's another good note is the duke is just carries on the tradition of making Resident Evil merchant characters that are more famous than the main characters. Yeah. <laughs> Love the duke. He's total bro. Um. Uh, I like that they never turned him into like a bad guy at the end. Sorry. That's. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but frankly um you should know just love the duke feel free to love the duke <laughs> please uh <laughs> what are you buying that's that's that that's not a good duke nukem let me try again let me try again let me try again uh ethan winners no that's not i'm not i'm not in the right headspace for it that's solid snake what were you uh like <laughs> metal cute <laughs> resident evil um they definitely also poke fun at other resident evil a couple times that i liked um uh at one point ethan calls chris a boulder punching bastard uh yep easily easily favorite line in the game uh also the duke i think at one point will go like what are you buying and then like he'll chuckle to himself and be like i had a friend who's like to say that <laughs> i've heard about that reference actually i've heard about both of those the booth. okay very uh, good yeah cool yeah i still want to try it maybe 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 we play it together Maybe you yeah. hold my hand. I, I will hold your hand if okay. you want to stream that, whatever you want to do. Absolutely. Worth, Sounds good. Worth the price of admission, hands down. Um, if you like, even even if you're like a big minutes to dollars kind of guy who like really wants a full, I don't know, 20, 30 hours out of your 60 bucks, uh, I, it's got a lot of replay value too. What so. is my best value, <laughs> Alex? Like the complaint that it's a short game, I think is is unwarranted. Uh, a because it's a really good short game, and B because it's it's worth going back in a few times. I'm just so tired of that complaint, and I feel yeah. like I feel like it's like a phantom complaint, right? Like I yeah. never I never see I never see people complain about it. Maybe because like I've just filtered my internet usage in such a way that I just don't see assholes anywhere. Mm-hmm. But you know, I hear people complain about people complaining about that complaining <laughs> who, who are complaining about short games and yeah, i just I, yeah. I just i just don't get it like yeah. where are you getting all this free time from where you need a game that's like a thousand hours long or something mm-hmm. um i'm playing a game yeah just one game i have been playing so i asked i asked the good people of of twitter.com what game i should i should get next and right. i said pokemon snap uh the mass effect remastered trilogy or re village and uh for a hot second there it looked like re village is gonna win and i was like well that's a that's a that's a surprise um but pokemon snap and i'd like to go on record i did vote for pokemon snap (laughs) for the reasons i stated previously (laughs) yeah and then i and then you created 20 dummy accounts and all voted for resident the um (laughs) so pokemon snap was the the chosen game and i didn't buy it um, because instead, my good friend Nick Nundahl, co-host of Attract Mode, <laughs> lent me his copy, so I didn't have to spend sixty dollars. So that's the best value, there right? You go. Zero dollars for however many hours Pokemon Snap is. Um, 
and it's really good. I really like yeah. that game. Have you touched this game at all? I have not, but I mean, I like old Pokemon Snap, and yeah. everyone's saying it's just old Pokemon Snap, but more and better. It is, and I'm like absolutely down. Uh, I will. Um, I'm into it. It's such a lazy, comforting game, you know. It's so interesting how this. I mean, like original Pokemon Snap, obviously, you know, run based in a sense. It's like all right, you keep doing these tracks, and mm-hmm. uh, you're trying to get all these pictures, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like, oh, okay, I got this picture on this run. Like next run, I'm going to try and get this picture. Um, or like maybe this one wasn't as good. Let me try again. Um, and this one obviously has that, but on top of that, it has the, the maps can dynamically change. Mm-hmm. Um, so every stage has like a day night version and then like a special version. Oh, and then on top of that, each, stage has its own like rpg like progression Mm -hmm. that you you level up every time you take better and better pictures it's like oh i took this one gold star fucking i don't know star you and that got me more points this time around so it increased my level and every time you increase your level in each one of those different tracks Mm -hmm. it then changes what the pokemon do within the map so like nice. new pokemon might show up or like their interactions might change in some way mm-hmm. um and you can like bump yourself back down to previous level it's like all right i'm gonna do this course during the day at level one even though i'm level three or four or whatever okay um yeah and then each pokemon that you take a picture of there are and i never played much of the original pokemon snap so i don't know how much this is similar but each pokemon has um four different types of photos mm-hmm. uh and it's one through four stars and you want to get the best picture of each one of those types but you can only ever submit on a single run a single picture of any individual pokemon so it's like you do a run and it's like oh i took this really good one star picture of this pichu but i also took a really good two star two-star picture of this pichu i have to pick one of them like mm-hmm. i can't submit both of them which is interesting it's this really good like give and take it also like makes you more judgmental when to snap your shots during yeah. the course it's like all right it's like all right maybe i shouldn't take so many pictures of this pichu because like i'm only really looking for like a four-star pichu picture and that only happens when the pichu does this specific like interaction or whatever mm, yeah and it's mostly like the one star is like, all right, you just took a picture of them like standing around or something. Level two is like, all right, they did some interaction. Level three is like you fed them the fluff fruit, which they go out of their way to say, this is fluff fruit. It's like apples, but not. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Pokemon, what, what the fuck ever. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, they're like apples, but they're lighter and Pokemon right. like them more. And I'm like, what? why do we, why the mental gymnastics? I, cause gotta, you know, it, it was rude to actually throw heavy apples at Pokemon. The but I'm still Pokemon throwing snap. fruit at Pokemon at the end of the day. <laughs> this Torterra is sound asleep and I'm going to th- chuck an apple at its head. And it's going to be like, <laughs> and then you get a special photo when you do that. You get a three star photo if you snap it while they're like, Wah! when you fucking <laughs> smack them in the head with a piece of produce. Oh my gosh. Where's the, hang on. I got to find something for you. Um, but there's a great, um, uh, uh, animation of someone like throwing a bunch of fluff fruit at a Pikachu, <laughs> like just keep repeatedly donking it in the head. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun game. 
mm-hmm. so far. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I wasn't sure because I, I, I knew there were some people that were like, this isn't like the Pokemon Snap I remember and being like really frustrated about it. Or some people were demanding like... Not supposed to be. They wanted like Pokemon Snap, but like free range, like, uh, like well. not on rails. And it's like, I get it, but do you like the scope creep of that? Yeah, I can see that enormous. being cool, but also a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, we know this much. Like, we know at the very least the player will always be on this designated track, like, mm-hmm. and everything else we can kind of, like, tool around with. And I sort of like the theme park ride feel of yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, fun. Yeah. I, I have no problems with it. Um, yeah. And it's also interesting playing a run-based game where you, like, plainly know what you're missing out on. Because, like, obviously, okay, first off, um, camera look sensitivity way too low. I I maxed that shit out immediately. It's just way too fucking low. Also turned okay. off the movement control, the motion controls, because who the fuck ah, needs that? Jerk. Um, and, but, like, your head is, can be constantly on a swivel. And there's a lot of, like, audio cues. Like, you'll hear, a, like, a Pokemon, like, making a sound effect, like, behind you. It's like, oh, I got to turn around really quick and see if I can get it. Um it's so interesting because like in most like run based games whether it's a roguelike or whatever like the roguelike your run starts mm-hmm. and it's like the alternate possibilities have already already gone right like yeah like you don't plainly see what you're missing out on in any given enter the gungeon run or splunky run or whatever but in this it's like oh you know immediately what you're missing out on like it's like it's not like you're opening up a chest and it's like all right the other two chests are disappearing it's like you don't have to worry about the FOMO or whatever of what you miss it's like no you know exactly when you missed a Pokemon because you heard them make noise and then you spun around and they were gone already mm-hmm. and then like all right I'm gonna redo the track after this after I take all these photos I'm gonna do the track again and make sure I pay attention to that part and then you forget again to pay attention to that part. Mm-hmm. And you miss that shot again. Like there's the the toucan Pokemon like flies overhead in like the jungle level like at night. And I missed that shot like multiple times. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, this time I'm going to get it. And I was like, oh, it's over here. And then it flies over. And it's like a two second window to like oh, snap, snap a shot of this Pokemon. And you're like, all fuck, right. I missed it again. So there's some skill involved. Yes, it's a game of skill. Some hardcore gamer skill. Involved. Right. Yes. Um, need to get good at Pokemon Snap. But... <laughs> I yeah I'm enjoying it a lot. It's the it's, Dark Souls of Pokemon games. Yeah yeah, um, and and it's it's just good to play like a game like it's good to see like high res versions of all these Pokemon. I think Kobe and I were talking about it's like oh it's high res but also like you can see like where some of the seams are because like oh here's a Sudowoodo but like Sudowoodo's mouth isn't like it doesn't have a modeled mouth that's like is like carved into itself it's like it's just right. obviously a texture on top of the pseudo model and that's kind of animating it's a little low yeah. res um that's yeah, so great been the case yeah um but yeah pokemon snap new pokemon snap it's brand new it's it's sparkling new and it's pokemon snap uh anything else alex do we want to talk about uh i'm talking about switch pro steam pal i still feel wary about a switch pro but i'm sure it's coming it's just maybe not as soon as people think um yeah rumors are saying like might be announced before e3 right uh which when is that next week oh well okay maybe it will be next week um i was definitely thinking it wouldn't uh be next week but here's a question 
Here's okay. a question. We'll yeah. ignore the the Steam Pal stuff. It's a fucking there. Steam might be making a, a Switch competitor. <laughs> it's a Linux handheld. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I I was uh, Jeff Steger, friend of the show. Jeff Steger did tell me about Steam Proton, which I never knew about. That is like a way for uh, a way for Windows games to easily run on Linux. I think it's like a wrapper of sorts. Mm-hmm. That's like, and I think that's incredible because the last yeah. thing I want to do is you know ensure my games run on Linux. So something that makes that easier sounds great. Um, yeah. All right, here's my question. If a Switch Pro becomes a reality, if a Switch mm. Pro is announced, would you would you go, I'm going to buy that? I no? can't say for sure yet, okay. but maybe. What would make you buy a new Switch? Um, reasonable price point. Okay. I hear uh, it's going to be more than the $300, like the original price point of the original Switch. So Right. Um, I do like... The, the rumors of Bezelus. Uh, and um, if it has a trade-in system like GameStop had for mm. the new 3DS, mm-hmm. I feel like I could I could do that. Um, What's well, predicated on, you know, the storefronts, right? Not yeah. Nintendo himself. Yeah. No, I know. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I would have to find some you're gonna sit there in the GameStop for like 45 minutes while everything transfers over to your your new switch i mean i did it before uh yeah um i was there for that <laughs> I, was I was there i served I, during the 3ds wars i was upset the non-xl didn't come to america and i gave it anyway i really wanted that that circle nub um <laughs> uh yeah yeah That's probably it. higher I, processor obviously would be a uh yeah I, i'd like some games to run a little better and uh i think 4k is a dream um don't that that seems a little silly i don't even but, have a 4k tv so that's not even i mean yeah. obviously i if it was 4k it would probably be upscaled because yeah. it would probably be only in dock mode and there'd probably maybe like some extra horsepower in the dock that would an upscaler of sorts. Um, right. But I don't uh, even have a 4K TV, so I don't need that. I mean, it would have to use the same Joy-Cons. I don't think they'd be silly enough to make it not compatible with old Joy-Cons. But... You see, you say that. You say that, but then you forget what company we're talking about. I know. I like. I feel like if it came with a dock and it could have... Well... No, it all the dock needs is a USB-C port. Like... No, no, no. Sorry, I'm talking about the Switch Lite. Um, oh. If if that came with a dock, and I was going to say like, and if it used Joy Cons, but then again, I don't think it could have worked as well if it used Joy Cons. So yeah, I probably would have never gotten a Switch Lite. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I I am I'm curious, and I am not going to say no, but I'll sure. need to know more. Okay, what 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 are the features that would make it an automatic buy for you? Like tackle it from that direction faster and prettier and maybe not as prone to scratching as much uh um maybe not so many like fault points because like the joy cons will like get wiggly wobbly in there after a little while um the drift the infamous drift i don't know if that's a switch pro issue as much as it's a joy con issue but yeah sure Um, but it's an issue they still have yet to address so absolutely no i agree um Jeez, it's a uh, 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. I, I, I don't have the highest expectations. Okay. But it doesn't tr- sound like you particularly want one either. Right. It's it's like it would have to really surprise me and I'd have to find a way to like sell my old one. Sure. Uh, I guess before I could consider it. I think that's easier than you. I mean, like switches were kind of a rare commodity uh, at the beginning of quarantine, if you don't remember. So, yeah, that that's actually. Um... Oh, no, wait, that's a, this is slightly less related. But another thing I'm now thinking of is uh, the fact that I'm a little nostalgic for the fact that I have a launch day switch. Wow. There's no special marking on it or anything, but it's just kind of nice. <laughs> just carve it in there. Yeah. Launch day. It looks like a prison tent. <laughs> um, I think for me, I think I am kind of like ready to buy a new switch if for nothing else than battery life. Like I hear the battery mm. life on those updated like mid middle step switches that aren't anything other than like they're just like swapping out components the exact same as the launch switch but with a fat with a better battery right higher capacity battery like i i skipped on those Mm -hmm. um i didn't pull the trigger on one of those but i think i would i would i would get a switch pro if nothing else than for battery life like all the extra features sound nice if it's you know better processing all that stuff i played mine like 90 percent docked i play mine 100 (laughs) percent undocked so like, I don't notice that one much. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it, it gets to me and it's getting worse. Like I spent like maybe an hour or two with it playing and it, and it varies from game to game. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I think Pokemon Snap like kind of burns through that battery because I played it in handheld mode, maybe an hour, hour and a half yesterday. Oh, and I think okay. it went from like 100 percent to like 75 or something. That's not um, bad at all. It's not bad, but I feel like I play Monster Hunter for an hour and it goes to 50. From maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's lower. Yeah. Um, but it was enough to like where the the battery anxiety started to like creep in a little bit. It's like, right. All right, like how long until I have to like get this thing back to its cradle? There was a thing with the new 3ds's that said like Monster Hunter for you on a new 3ds is going to run at like 60 fps for versus me 30 on the regular one for you. Um, so maybe if they made some claim that like Rise would be in 60 fps on the switch pro i'd be like oh absolutely wow 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 specifically Look, monster hunter rise i mean other games would be cool too but yeah <laughs> incredible that's the reason i have a switch dylan <laughs> what if they said what if they said splatoon 3 switch pro exclusive oh absolutely hands down i gotta get that splatoon gotta get my fix <laughs> gotta get my squid kids <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious what will happen at the new and improved, probably not that improved, electronically improved entertainment experience, as they're calling it this year. Ah, it's not an expo anymore. It's not an it's expo. A physical location. It's experience. 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 Exciting. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Alex, let's say we we wrap up here. Let's say you. Yeah, let's do that. But wrap up with an announcement. Announcement, announcement, announcement. Getting the prepared statement out. Several note cards here. Oh, wow, that's a lot of note cards. I sent sent this email to Tim Cook. I said, hi, Tim. Y'all, y'all should think about paying us for doing the Wardcast. It's such a good podcast. What? You're not going to? Okay. Well, then we're going to take a break. 
Tim we're gonna Cook. take a break but unlike tim sweeney tim cook knows who you are uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true we we email each other every once in a while right uh sorry you were saying you're in the middle of something we're taking a break we're taking it easy for a little while here at the Wardcast. um decided after six long years of podcasting think i think it's time to 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 get a little shut eye let's say you getting the solemn nod from from alex over there solemn nod solemn nod it's gonna feel weird watching an e3 and not taking notes <laughs> what are you talking about it's like every e3 for you <laughs> oh, oh i wish that didn't get me so good uh yeah you um, can still take notes alex if you really want <laughs> we can watch them we'll watch them together we'll see what happens won't. i probably won't um oh okay uh yeah <laughs> um i don't know i think the time is right the feeling the feeling's good mm-hmm. you know it's like you know it's like seinfeld seinfeld like they they quit while they were on top we're right. doing the same thing we're not quitting we're taking a break Take i want to clarify here we'll come back not one day we will return yes um for avengers endgame the, <laughs> yeah so it was really interesting because i was editing the last episode that you and i did together and i was mm-hmm. like yeah i think i, I think i want to i think i want to take it easy for a little bit and mm-hmm. then and then that's at the time i had that thought mr harris foster dm me was like well brad vinny and alex are leaving giant bomb and then my head like went for a loop and i was like well i'd like yeah can't think can't think about taking a break just yet then um but then you know i took went on that road trip went out to austin mm-hmm. hung out with a bunch of my friends that live out there i love them working games and stuff and you know found yourself found myself yeah oh oh that's it yeah they meant found myself doing, doing something. something right no. okay now yeah i found myself yes. yes um i i discovered i went out into the desert and found my true form i can't there's darth vader came out of a of a tree <laughs> and i fought him and then his helmet exploded and it was me underneath right um yeah uh the the podcast has been interesting doing it this whole time because at at the beginning like we we always talked about like what we've been playing and like gaming news and stuff like that but also it was like in a way supposed to be a documentarian kind of thing like following us as we made games Mm-hmm. and over time we started working on games less this is true and the podcast took up more and more time and you know great stuff came out of it i met i've met so many people because of doing the podcast and you know going like i wouldn't have gone to e3 if not for the podcast i wouldn't have like done the pax panels if not for the podcast like so many good things came out of doing the podcast but i started this whole enterprise to make games mm-hmm and I haven't been doing that. Um, and so I want to get back to doing that. And also, when I watch that, going back to the Axiom Verge mini doc, there's a part where Tom goes, you know, he talks about discovering like indie gaming and the indie dev community and stuff. And he was thinking, like, you know, all these years I spent at EA or Petroglyph or whatever, you know, spent mm-hmm. five years or whatever. It's like I could have been making a game in that time in my free time. And there's also like, that cost analysis right of like all the time i spent working on the podcast which i love doing 
I could also be working on games. And I've tried different like methods, you know, throughout doing the podcast. Like, okay, we're going to do it every other week. And then we started doing it every other week, you know, a couple years ago. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do some like developer interviews on these off weeks. And those started doing really good. And then like more listeners came in and downloads increased and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going at this and like again still not making games and like every once in a while i kind of recommit it's like all right let's lessen our load like maybe do the podcast less um and then i do it a little bit less and i get antsy i was like oh, i should start doing it even more and and i and i go back and forth on this so i think the healthiest the healthiest thing for me to do to refocus more time on game dev in my free time because i mean let's be honest you and i both work a full-time job separate from all of this right um is to put the wordcast on hiatus and start doing more game dev stuff and hopefully that leads to you know me making great content for people to consume in a different way that's not in their ear holes like you know playing maybe. games for people to enjoy yeah maybe maybe a purely audio based video game maybe maybe some some eye stuff might be happening maybe, maybe some, some eye stuff some visuals some hands yeah, yeah. It, it could some all tactile be tactile stuff yeah uh have have a lot of uh blog posts in the works uh specifically or like around development and stuff have some nice reflection pieces that i'm working on about like games that we have made uh on this journey of of ours um and going to put those up probably in the in the coming months um just kind of like reflections on like what i have made and and how that informs what i'm currently making and yeah so again this isn't goodbye this is this is take see you it later. easy this is see you later ta ta for now um but yeah i want to thank alex here who has <laughs> definitely been on the show the longest uh and also has the largest number of episodes under his belt amongst all the co-hosts. So I love doing it. Hat tip to you, my good sir. Um, if there's one thing I like more than playing games to talking about games. That's good. And then that's just good. below that is making games. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this opens up more time for you to make games as well. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Um, I have no way to close this out. I think... That's as good as any. All right. Dylan, Alex, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Dylan Vento. Where can people find you? At G-H-O-D-A-N with an underscore. That's Godan with an underscore on Twitter. And if you like this podcast and you want to, and you want to listen to our giant back catalog of over 250 podcast episodes, you can find them at ward-games.com or on Twitter at Ward Video Games um, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Wardcast. That'll bring you Wardcast as well as our other show, Attract Mode. Should clarify, we will continue to be doing Attract Mode um, because I'm not done torturing myself with these awful, awful uh, video game movies. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, no, that will that will remain because that is definitely a, a smaller commitment. I really um, wish I guest spotted on that last one. I had so <laughs> many thoughts the yeah, whole time. Please, please, <laughs> if you haven't yet, listen to our our latest episode where we watched Final Fantasy: Spirits Within, a movie that I still don't understand. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so until next time, Alex. See you later. I'll talk to you then, buddy. <laughs>